this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 tonight. Romans 8. Uh, If you were here last week, we got over into a, a little bit on the word character. And character has to do with our morals, and our morals are shaped and formed by Father God. And we looked at two people last week, a man named Joseph and a man named Samson. Both were called by God. Both were anointed by God. Both came from great families. Both experienced bad and both experienced good. But when one of them really got hit hard in this thing called life, he stood. He didn't didn't waver. But the other one, the man named Samson, because he didn't have no character, he was destroyed. So with those same thoughts here tonight, start with me in Romans 8, and let's begin in verse 12. It says, therefore, brethren. So this tells me right here, this is addressed to people that are born-again Christians, that I've received Jesus as Lord of my life. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So as a believer, the Apostle Paul here is telling me, I'm not obligated to have to give in to everything my flesh wants me to do. Now, before you get born again, that's what happens. And your flesh just runs wild with you. And it dominates you, and it, it dictates the things you do in your life. But Paul's telling us here, listen, you don't have to be obligated to that. He says in verse 13, and he gives us two paths here. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so here, Paul, once again, he gives us two ways we can go. By our flesh or by the things of the Spirit. But he tells us here, it doesn't matter which way you go. There's going to be some consequences for every one of us in this room. And so right here, it is very uncharacteristic for a Christian to be dominated by the flesh. So what happens when I get born again? I give my heart to Jesus, and as long as I hang out with Jesus... And as long as I allow the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of me, God will begin to work on you. And I said this a few weeks ago, we should be able to start seeing some changes in our life. The way we act, the way we talk, the way we behave. Now look what he says, this is the Apostle Paul in verse 14. For as many... As are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, Paul here is giving us encouragement, I believe, not to live according to the flesh, but put to death the deeds of the body. Therefore, being led by the Spirit of God, it involves involves progressively seeking the things of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to help me. Progressively. So you know what that means? God doesn't expect us to to change just completely overnight. What will happen is when I allow the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of me and and convict me, each, each week, each month, each year of my life, 
my life starts channeling more and more to the things of God. Where I'm not being dominated by my old sinful nature like I used to. Now, he says right there, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You think about that in this sense right here. God has a lot of children, but not so many sons. And it's very easy for me and you to say, well, I, I'm a son of God. I want to be a son of God. But to declare ourselves as a son of God, it's more than just words. Now, listen real close to the Greek word that goes with sons. They display the character of God. So in order to be a son of God, like he's desiring us to be, I must start displaying the character of God. That doesn't happen overnight, but once again, how many have seen some progression in your life from how you are right now to how you were a year ago at this time? Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm telling you some of the greatest compliments that ever come to me is when I see people look at me and say, you're different than you used to be. If God can change you, he, he can change anybody. And I say, yeah, verily, that's the truth. But once again, it does not come by luck or chance. It comes by me hanging out with the things of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to get in me and start helping me. And one of your greatest prayers is you invite the Holy Spirit to help you every day. Remember, one of the keys to our lives as believers is to ask. You have not because you ask not. That's James 1, James 4, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Every one of those come in there, and he said, you have not because you ask not. And so we expect God to help us, but how many of us ask God to help us? Well, duh, pastor, he's God. He ought to know I need help. No. When we ask Father God to help us today, tomorrow, you know what we've actually done? We've said, Father God, I give you permission to be a part of my life, part of my day. So I encourage you, start asking the Holy Spirit. How many got some weaknesses in your life right now, in your, in your character and in your integrity? Every one of us. Every one of us. But if you'll ask God and the Holy Spirit to come in and help you, man, he'll start rising up. And before long... Some of the things you used to do when you get ready to do it, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll scratch you on your heart. Not ugly, not pop you and say, hey, stupid. He'll scratch you. And there's a leading that says, don't do that. Don't do that. And some of you say, well, pastor, what happens if I go ahead and do it? Well, then we jump back over to you. You've got to start repenting and saying, Father God, I blew it. Now, I want to talk a little bit tonight about some things that has to do with character called integrity. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Now, often when we choose things in our life, we don't always consider the consequences. And many times, the deciding factor in our choosing is what's easiest or what's the path to the least resistance. But we can't get that way. I, I believe we need to really ask God to help us and say, Lord, there's consequences for what I'm fixing to do. Now, here in, in Proverbs 11, I want to read verse 1 through 3. He says here, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. 
And what he's talking about here is dishonest scales is, is just a lack of stinking integrity. And so when you think about dishonest scales, it's, it's someone that would have a, a, a set of scales right here and they fixed them where they know they're wrong. And the only one that may know they're wrong is that person in Father God. This is such a big deal that he talks about it again in Proverbs 20, verse 23. Almost the same things. But he says here, dishonesty, or dishonest scales are an abomination of the Lord, but just weight is his delight. So he's telling me here, the person with integrity, that's his delight. Now we live in a society right now that integrity is not a real big deal. It's not a big thing. I remember when my wife was was teaching school, she started bringing this young girl home. And man, I'm telling you, this girl had a horrible, horrible, horrible home life. Horrible. And we would bring her home on Wednesday nights and we would feed her and we would take her to church. And my wife would ask her questions and it was very obviously she was just blatantly lying. I mean, you could ask her what time it is, and if it was 6 o'clock, she'd say it's 10 o'clock. I mean, it was just apparent that she just, everything she says, she lies. Well, Shelly said to her one day, darling, did you realize lying's wrong? And this may sound shocking to you, but she looked and she said, I didn't know it was wrong to lie. And you may look and say, I have a hard time believing that, but that's the state of our society at times. And so I believe even within the church, man, we ought to be people of integrity. We ought to be people that when we say things, we're going to do those things. So keep reading here, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Now listen to this. The integrity of the upright will guide them. How many of you have ever looked at integrity or telling the truth as it's your guide? But that's just what he said right there. And when I learn to live with integrity, and it's not always easy, it'll guide me, and he ends with, but the perversity of the unfaithful or lack of integrity will utterly destroy them. Now, how many of you have ever heard this or said this about another person? If their mouth is open, they're lying. We've probably heard that, and I hope we had not had that said about us. But if we have, I'm just telling you, I, know, I believe God wants to raise the bar. He wants to take us to new levels. Listen to the definition of integrity. It's a quality or state of being of sound moral principle, honest and sincere. Now, integrity is learning right from wrong, but it's more than learning right from wrong. I learn right and I learn wrong and I learn to act on what's right. See, I can know right and wrong but still not act on it. Or I can know right but not act on it. And so he's telling us here. And so part of integrity is this, is, is when I make a mistake, I tell a lie, I do something that's dishonest, I take responsibility for that. And I don't try to blame any other people, and I don't try to come from this slant. Well, everybody else is lying. Well, if everybody else is jumping off the cliff, are you going to? And so the Lord wants us to help. Now, some of the best ways I think we can get this is through people in the Bible. Go with me to the book of Daniel. Go to your right. Go to your right, and you'll go through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you're going to hit Daniel. Daniel chapter 5. 
We've got three passages in here we're going to try to cover tonight. See, integrity, guys, is a, is a lifelong lifestyle. And integrity, it's not always easy. And there's oftentimes integrity is going to cost you. But God will reward you. Daniel chapter number 5. Oh, I better start right here in the middle so we know where we're going. Verse 1. Daniel 5, when Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for thousands of his lord, and he drank wine in the presence of the thousands. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels, which his father, King Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lord, his wife and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wife and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine, and they praised the gods. So these, these pieces here, they had been stolen from the temple of God. Now, if you'll note really close there, in, in verse number 4, it says, and they drank wine, and they praised the gods. If you'll notice in there, that word gods, the G in there, is a little g. That's not Jehovah. That's not Yahweh. And he says they praise the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So literally, they, they looked at this silver and gold. So it's an idol. And they begin to praise this idol even though they had stolen it from God's house. So look what happens in verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared... And he wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now, just think about this. Here they all hanging out and partying. And the king thinks, hey, this is awesome. And they're worshiping these idols. And all of a sudden, right there on the wall, starts writing. That would be an attention getter. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'd probably jump on my knees and start repenting right there. And so look what happens. Verse 6, and then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known the king's its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and shaken, and his lords were astonished or perplexed. The, king because of the, the queen, because of the words of the king, and his lords came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man, now just get this, there's a man, just plain, a man, in your kingdom, in whom the spirit of the holy God. Now it's interesting that the queen knew about this man. And it's very interesting that the queen describes this man, whom is the spirit of the holy God. She recognized God's hand on him. So she goes on and says, And in the days of your father, 
Light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdoms of God were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining these riddles were found in Daniel. So it's very apparent here, number one, Daniel's just a man. He's just a man. He's a human being. But it's very clear there that he has ability, and the ability he has, he has divine knowledge. He has divine understanding. He interprets dreams. He explains riddles. He solves problems. And it's very obvious here that he was distinguished far above all the other ones. Why? Look back in verse number 12, and there at the first it says, Inasmuch as an excellent spirit. So when you read the word about excellent spirit, you know what it means with him? He was a man of godly character and godly integrity. He was a man that would not compromise. Now you heard me say this last week, that talents and abilities may get you there, but only character will keep you. And so this is what happens with this guy named, named Daniel. And I believe he was elevated so much because he was trustworthy. Now here's a thought for you with that word right there, trustworthy. Often in our own lives, maybe at work, that we believe we should get promoted at work. And we base our promotion on well, I've been here 25 years. No one's been here as long as me. I should get promoted because of that. But think about it in this sense. If you're not trustworthy, and if you don't have integrity or character, why would your boss want to promote you? What a thought, huh? But I look at this, and, and I see in Daniel's life, how God promoted him, but also how man promoted him. And I believe it's caused the excellent spirit. And we're going to read another passage that you find this out. Now, go with me to Daniel chapter 6. And as we go here to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's been promoted. The king promotes him. Verse 1 of Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, they were high officers to be over the whole kingdom. And over these 120, three governors of whom Daniel was one. The satraps might give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel, listen to this, he distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Look at that, guys, right there. So over all of them, he distinguished himself because he was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. So we keep reading. And the king gave thought to set in him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps, they sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, 
we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And so his enemies begin to plot against him. How can we get him? Keep reading, verse 6. So the governors and the satraps thronged before the king, and they said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors, and he lists all these guys, they make a, a, a petition and they say, If any god or any man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. And so the decree was, if they worship anybody but you, king, they're going to get thrown in the lion's den. Verse 9. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when you read this, I look at it and I think, by what character, what integrity do you stand? Do you go with the crowds? Do I go with the crowds? Because right here, all the officials knew that Daniel had this distinctive character that he wouldn't compromise the things of God for nothing. And so they knew his character would become his vulnerability. And they said, let's go after him here. So this decree sign, Daniel knows this. Now think about this in your life. If you know there's a decree and there's going to be consequences or it's going to cost you, what would you do? See, only when I live with integrity and character can I answer that. Because when I live with integrity and character, that gets in my heart. And when it gets in my heart, I purpose in my heart. You know what? I'm not going to do what everybody else says. I don't care how wrong it is. I'm not going to do it. So look what happens here in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on the knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. And you know what that tells me? He preferred God. He said, I don't care what the consequences was. And listen, he didn't sneak around to do it. Think about this. He opens the curtains. Here it is. Three times a day he would get on his knees and he would pray and he would bow before God. And he knew my integrity, my character, I'm going to do what right no matter if no one else is going to do it. You know, I can tell you guys right now, some of you work at workplaces where you're the only person there of character and integrity. And at times you've said, I want out of that place. I work with a bunch of heathens. How many of you ever thought this? Just maybe you're the only person God has there and He wants you to be salt at that place. And He wants you to become a living, breathing example at that place. Where you become the one, when the going gets tough, you rise up. And when everybody else is sinning, you're the one that says, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. Now, I told you a minute ago that when you live as a person of integrity or with character, it may cost you. Look at verse 16 of that same chapter. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. Even though Daniel knew this was a possibility, he didn't cave in. And his integrity and his character cost him a night 
in the lion's den. I'm not telling you that when you always live by character and integrity, everything's going to go smooth. But I will tell you this, God will see it. And ultimately, you know what happened in this passage? God delivered him. But deliverance doesn't come until you make the stand. You see that? He made the stand for God and he lived with integrity. And after that, God came through. Often, guys, promotion doesn't come until I live with integrity and character. Then it comes. Now, I got one more I got to show you in here where you see this. Go back just a couple pages to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And all through the book of Daniel, there were, there were four main characters in there. Daniel, and there were three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three, they were just like Daniel. They had purposed in their hearts, we're going to live for God. I don't care what popular opinion says. I don't care what the majority's doing. We're going to live for God. So here we start in this chapter. Chapter 3, and and begin with me in verse 8. And it'll fill in the blank here. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward, and they accused the Jews. And they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone that hears the sound of all these musical instruments shall fall down and worship the image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So here's the deal. They're setting up these three Hebrew boys, these Jews. And they said, King, we're going to play all these trumpets, these horns, these flutes, all this stuff. But the person that does not bow down and worship him, we're going to make him toast. We're going to throw him in a fiery furnace. So it's set out there. This is what's going to happen. Verse number 13. Verse 12, there are certain Jews who you set over the fairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men. O king, they have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. And so what you begin to see here, and you'll find this out, often when people can't come after you for the wrong you do in your life, they'll come after you for the right you do in your life. And understand, when we do right in our life, they're not really attacking you. They're attacking your lifestyle and your commitment to God. And it'll look like they're attacking you, but it's really coming after when you make a stand for God. Now, I want to highlight that right now, because in America, get ready. You make a stand for God. You start praying in the name of Jesus, get ready. They're going to come after you. And it's going to escalate more and more and more and more and more. People don't like it. They don't want to hear it. And so guess what? They're going to come after you for what's right in your life. And it's going to come to this. None of us in this room like to be rejected. None of us in this room like to be shoved back. But you know what? When it comes to living for God and making a stand for God, this is where godly character and integrity is going to rise up on the inside. And you're going to come to a place in your life where you look and say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. And see, back in Joshua 24, 15, Joshua said that. You know what he said? As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I don't know what the rest of you yahoos are going to do, but we're going to serve God. 
You know, that verse always interests me that Joshua didn't say, as for me and my house, my wife says we're going to serve God. And I think integrity, character is taught in our homes. And you know what? If it wasn't wasn't modeled, you start modeling. Don't let your kids lie. Don't let your kids steal and cheat. Don't let them do it. So this is what's going on. Woo, I got to move fast here, gone. And so what goes on is they won't bow. They won't bow. And in verse 16 it says, And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know why? He said, listen boys, you didn't bow down. We're going to cast you in. Verse 17. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. And so you know what happens here? Their integrity was only influenced by what's right. It didn't matter what the circumstances said. It didn't matter what popular opinion said. Do you realize majority's not always right? And there's going to be days, I believe, you're going to have to stand up. And that's why it's important that we get integrity in here. And so, you know, let me read the rest of the story real quick and let you know how it ends up. So he throws them in the fire and and, and they walk around in the fiery furnace. And before long, the king looks in there and he says to his guards, he said, I thought I threw three in there. I see the fourth one in there and he looks like the son of God. You know what it was? It was the son of God. And ultimately, you know what happens with these guys? They come strolling out. Not a hair on their head is singed. There's no smoke in their clothes. And ultimately, you know what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar? He says, man, the God of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's the real deal. And what ultimately happened there was they got promoted. But they were pushed and punished, and it cost them before they got promoted. But listen, here's the deal. What if I don't get promoted? What if I don't get delivered? Am I still going to do what's right? See, that's the key. And one of the greatest chapters you can read in the Bible is Hebrews 11. It's called the Faith Hall of Fame. You go back and you read. And it will tell you how some of them were beheaded. Some of them were uh, uh, caught on fire. Some of them were drowned. Some of them were beaten. And you know what they said? So be it. If this is how it is, this is what I'm going to do. And I believe that's where we got to get back. And I'm not saying you're, you're going to die that way, but what if something happens? You know, for years, Shelly goes to Juarez, and, and they've been going down there years and years and years. And I've had people say to me, I can't believe you let her go down there. And I, I pray for wisdom, and I say, Lord, help us, lead us, and guide us by the Spirit of God. But I can't find anywhere in the New Testament where it says... If you get persecuted for being a Christian, or if something may happen to you, avoid all costs going there. I can't find it. And so what I'm telling us is we've got to become people that say, you know what? I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. Here's your thought, and I'll end with this. Philippians Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, the apostle Paul said this. 
to die is the gain. To live is for Christ, but to die is the gain. Now, in saying that, here's the thought for every one of us in here. As long as I'm on this earth, live for Jesus the best you can. Start asking Him to put, put integrity in you, put character in you. But understand this, as a believer, to die is the gain. You know what that means? We're in a win-win situation. We win either way. And I've told you guys before, if you ever find out that I've died before you, don't get mad. Don't say, that rat pastor, he took off before us. Because when I head out of here, I'm a hostile as on you. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Understand that, guys. We win. Stand up here. Let's go. Well, you guys are a quiet bunch tonight. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Let me pray a blessing over here. Father God, we love you tonight. And Lord, just as Daniel was a man and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were just men. Just like we are, Lord. And Father God, right now we ask that no matter where we're at, that because of the Holy Spirit that you cause us to distinguish ourselves different from other people. And Lord, I pray right now that you, you put an excellent spirit within us. Let's just raise our hands right now before God. And, and you may ask Him that. Lord, I ask you right now. Put an excellent spirit in me, Lord. That I tell the truth and that I, I live with character and honor. And Father God, I, I, I don't do anything that's deceptful or deceiving in any way. And Lord, I pray your blessing right now. Every one of us in the Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us. Help us to be godly men and women. Help us to do what's right, even when it's easier to do what's wrong. And we pray blessings right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was reading that, I'll let you go, that I was reading that and I thought, I wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the thought, ah, let's just go ahead and bow down and then look to God and say, oh God, we didn't mean it. We repent of it. See, I think at times we've used repentance as a way to get away from doing what God really wants us to do. And I'm not saying it's wrong to repent. It's right to repent. But yet I can't, I can't use that as, a, as an excuse. And it, it would have been easier for them to say, you know, God, hey, we didn't mean it. I'll let you go with that thought right there. Bless you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.